A pair of sought-after unrestricted free agents could have been getting a lot of money on the open market. Instead, they got their bags before the trade deadline, and it made their current teams very, very happy. Uh, looking right at Brett Duboff and the Boston Bruins on that. Uh, similar to a lot of teams, uh, the Boston Bruins were very busy at the trade deadline. The New Jersey Devils made one big splash, and a bunch of other things happened in six days where he didn't talk about anything so let's all tackle it in episode 356 of the lace em up podcast which starts right now and now it's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. And welcome to the latest edition of the show, episode 355 to be exact. My bad, it's been a long week. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Tubuff. Uh Brett, uh, before we go any further, I just wanted to recap just the nutshell, uh, in a nutshell, the perfect storm that led to a trade deadline so chaotic, I don't know if we'll ever see it again. Yeah. So you had a bunch of teams that weren't separated by much. You had a bunch of teams who knew they were going up against a hell of an opponent right off the bat in the first round, and they needed to prepare for this dogfight. There were a lot of great players on Western Conference teams that weren't doing as well, and you also had a flat cap and a lot less cap space to go around. So teams had to get creative, teams had to make moves, and... With nothing being done outside of a few noteworthy trades, it all came down to the final week. Everything happened, and in traditional trade deadline fashion, sorry to James Duffy, the final 24 hours was absolutely boring. But, uh, man, six days of just unfiltered chaos. And uh, we're here to dissect it all today. Yeah, and not to mention the fact that you have... Um, this guy in the draft um, for rebuilding teams or teams that are tanking. Yeah, there's um, also bad for Bedard going <laughs> yeah, on. Yeah, exactly. So down bad for Bedard. So it's like it's it's working both ways. But yeah, no, I've noticed. What was also interesting is is that like for the last couple of weeks we've been like talking about a big trade that's happened, and of course that didn't slow us down here. But like when it was actually Friday. Um, on trade deadline day, it was like all the trades were made basically. So the only interesting one was uh, John Klingberg, um, and that yeah, happened. That was the eleventh hour too. It yeah, looked yeah. like he wasn't going anywhere. Exactly, and that just happened like right before it. So um, yeah, um, so we're gonna we uh, we narrowed it down to sixteen teams uh, that we wanted to talk about. Um, there is a decent shot that we're not going to cover every single trade that has happened since the last time we spoke, so that was last week. But um, we figured that like these 16 teams are the ones that are going to cover pretty much every single thing that's relevant <laughs> towards the last couple of weeks, just, be just because everything has happened pretty much or a lot of things have moved so we can't a lot cover of big everything. things happened yeah exactly there are even talks on guys that were 
just freshly yeah. signed to like seven or eight year deals yeah. like 12 to 18 months ago yep which yeah. rarely happens so we're gonna uh we're gonna actually start off like we usually do with the atlantic and then we'll move to the metro then we'll move to teams in the central and move to the teams in pacific um I am a biased Bruins fan, so I am electing for them to start first. Um, but uh, but of course, we're starting alphabetically. Yeah, exactly. I'd like to think it just that, happens that way. Yeah, it just happens that way. I'd like to think that if I wasn't a Bruins fan, we would cover the Bruins first if we were doing it this way. But who knows? Um, and they did do a lot, to be fair. Yeah, they did do a lot. So, um, well, first off. Um, I know I was skeptical of Dmitry Orlov, uh, that trade right when we talked about last week, um, and um, I'm I'm gonna start calling him Bobby Orlov because he's like the greatest defenseman I think I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> so um, yeah, all of a sudden he's like uh, he uh, can't stop scoring goals or making uh, assists and stuff. So it's just like kind of like the heater that. Um, Hampus Lindholm was on yep. to start the year. In fact, this get this stat. He has nine points in five games for the Bruins so far, which is insane. Um, so, uh, so yeah, he's he's been really good. Um, and, yeah, honestly, I can't, like, you know how, like, I know that Sweeney, I, I mentioned this last week as well, it's like, I've come to realize that I can't blame Don Sweeney and I couple and his the two moves that he made this week. It's like, all right, he's just furthering my point that I can't I can't I can't doubt criticize Don Sweeney at this point. Um, I know that it's like right now it's like for like this is all for a cup. If we don't win the cup this year, it's like it's a huge disappointment for us. In fact, the Bruins just talking about hockey in real life right now for a second uh, the Bruins are actually the fastest team in NHL history that includes like pre-lockout to get to a hundred points um so so at this point it's like yeah this is nice like the regular season stuff but it's like the real the real uh trophy is in um it's good it hasn't been awarded just yet so um I'm still like you know I'm I'm still like trying to be not jinx this team but at the same time i'm like i'm getting pretty excited about watching this team so um it should be yeah it should be so it's like you know it, it kind of reminds me of when the patriots were undefeated um in the regular season uh in 20 2007 um and now the only looking back the only thing i can think about is how we lost to the giants so um, yeah, just 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 forget how it ended. Exactly. So remember everything else. So like, yes, I know it's like you know just watching this team in the regular season, like it is fun and it like it is a good experience for me, obviously. But like at the same time, I'm just like I want to have good memories when I look back at this. I don't want to have like bad memories, but it, it, it's gonna be tough if if we don't win. Anyways, um, getting back into it. Um, so the Bruins did make a trade. Uh, Tyler Pich- uh, Tyler Bertuzzi um, was acquired by the Bru- uh, by the Bruins, um, and they gave up a 2024 first round pick, which is a conditional pick, and a 2025 fourth round pick. That condition is a um, is a top ten protected 
Um, I guess this is like to assume, because as I've been mentioning, this is it's like this cup or bust type season. Um, not to mention the fact that um, we'll, we'll talk about Detroit in a couple of minutes, but um, and why they do this. But uh, the the Bruins are, um, you know, like they uh, Taylor Hall and Nick Foligno. Um, are injured. In fact, Taylor Hall was put on LTIR and it, like a, he needed a second opinion on a doctor. They were saying that like they would be shocked if they see him um, in the regular season. He'll probably, you probably might see him in the playoffs though. Um, but the fact that, um, and then, I mean, we'll talk about Detroit in a couple of minutes, but uh, the fact that like we got this guy, Tyler Bertuzzi, who had 30 goals last year, and 62 points um, last year, um, and you know he, he 62 points in 68 games last year. Just to be like on the third line of the Bruins is just incredible. Um, yeah, I know he had uh, 10, po- uh, sorry, 14 points in 29 games for Detroit. Uh, he did have one assist in his one game that he's played for the Bruins so far, but um, it's just like. So he has he isn't having as great of a season this year, but just like the fact, well, um, just like the fact that we're able to get this guy, um, and he's like a you know he's a pending UFA, so if it doesn't work out, that's fine. Um, but like you know, you add him to like he's a a potster. I don't want to say the S word on on a podcast. Uh, yeah, although, what do you mean? I guess we could. We could say yeah, it, but, no, no. but it's fine. No. Uh, but the, fact, it the, the fact that we can add this guy to someone who also stirs the pot in Brad Marchand, someone who also stirs the pot in Trent Frederick. We also got this guy named Garnett Hathaway who we got last week. It's like, like it's like these are all guys who, especially Marchand and Bertuzzi, who can like talk the talk and walk the walk. And like the fact that like I mean Trent Frederick is one of my favorite players now, <laughs> weirdly enough, even though he plays on the fourth line most of the time, the fact that, like, he ha- he, he has 13 goals already with uh, 11 minutes of ice time is just crazy impressive. Um, and he's just getting Chris into Neal, it. Chris Neal, in a way, when he was with yeah. Ottawa, like, he had some underrated goal-scoring prowess, but there was just so much talent up well, like, uh, the wings that you not, couldn't really put him elsewhere outside of the bottom six. It's not just the goal scoring. It's like, you know, he, he just is so physical. It's like you can tell, like, even though they're they're very, like, he doesn't play it a whole lot or doesn't have a ton of ice time, but the fact that he can play is just, or, like, he just gets in your face pretty much all the time. He exudes Brady Kitschuk energy. Yeah. He is that guy who will oh, just yeah. yell at the bench who wants it right. and then sub off. Right, 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 right. So so I really love the, uh, the Tyler Bertuzzi contract, especially since he's making $2.3 million. Um, and, like, if it's not working, he's a UFA next year, so we can just, you know, uh, we can uh, move on from him. Uh, but that's mostly just to say the fact that, like, this year, the Bruins have Bergeron, Bartuzzi, Nosek, Hathaway, Frederick, uh, Krejci, Orloff, Clifton, and Swayman as free agents. And you notice how I didn't say one free uh, free agent, um, which we'll get into in a second. But um, but the fact that 
Like, it's rumored that Bergeron and Krejci are probably going to retire. Um, so it's like, you know, Bertuzzi is like your prototypical type of Bruins player. Um, and Trent Frederick is as well. So it's like, I really love that move. Um, I do, before we talk about this player that I purposely didn't mention, um, do you have any thoughts on Tyler Bertuzzi and, and this trade? This one. He is still not vaccinated. Yep. And that won't be a problem if you face the American teams. It will be a problem if you go up against Toronto, though, which is something to think about. But in terms of the type of player that Tyler Bertuzzi is, he gets under your skin, he can score goals, he can put up points, he's very versatile, Um, his athleticism is very, very, very underrated, and he can definitely help out this Bruins yep. team, whether or not they have Taylor Hall in the lineup. And I think it was a very nice get uh, to bring him in, even if it's just for a rental. Um, yeah, they give up a first-round pick, but, I mean, I've, it's the last dance. Yep. You're going all in already. It, he's a guy that can help you win right now. And against... You know, a Toronto team that's made so many moves to get that extra edge against a Tampa Bay team that has, you know, done their usual thing, uh, despite uh, that uh, decision by John Cooper to rest or bench, I should say, three of his star players uh, because of on performance. Uh, that's not going to remain the case for long. They'll be back. They're pros. They win championships. It's what they do. Um, so I'm not um, concerned about Tampa falling off a cliff. They'll be in the thick of it once April begins. And you can never count out a goaltender like Andre Vasilevsky as well. And then if you make it past, you know, that two-headed monster, uh, you're probably going to be going up against a Metro Division team. And the top three Metro Division teams, guess what, are all heavyweights. Yeah. And... While Carolina didn't do much, the Rangers and Devils both made huge additions. They're not teams uh, that Boston can mess around with. So um, I I think I wouldn't say this was one of those must moves, but uh, it definitely helps the Bruins cause. Yeah. The fact that a lot of his suitors uh, went off the table, uh, I think definitely helped uh, Boston's ability to land Tyler Bertuzzi because... I heard Edmonton, Tampa Bay, and Dallas were primary suitors, uh, primary fits for Tyler Bertuzzi, but they all did other things uh, after Steve Eiserman pulled Todd Bertuzzi off the market, or uh, pulled Tyler Bertuzzi off the market, uh, and then he put Bertuzzi back on the market after a pair yeah. of stinker games against Ottawa. Which is what and, I was going to get into that when we talk about Bertuzzi. Yeah, I was going to talk about that when we. Mentioned Detroit in yeah. a couple minutes, but yes. No, but it was it was the perfect yeah. storm, and the yeah, exactly. benefited. Yeah, yeah, I think I think you're right though. It's like the, the Red Wings were just lost those two games to the Senators, um, and the Red Wings were just like, okay, I guess we're we're out of it, and and that combined with the fact that like the the Bruins were like, oh, we are not going to have Taylor Hall, we're not going to have Nick Foligno for. The rest of the season, it looks like. Let's, yeah, let's everything just, just added yeah, up. Exactly. Um, by the way, I, I, um, I had thought that this was the case, but it turns out I was just looking to see the game logs, 
And uh, Bertuzzi has played in Canada this year, so um, so I, I don't think that's going to be an issue. If uh, I think if, it's I think it's the border crossing from America into yeah. Canada. I remember hearing that could pose an issue. But, but he yeah. he played against Ottawa uh, the last two games, um, and then he also. Oh, that's right. He did play against. I forgot Calgary. because uh, the Sens stomped all over Detroit. I forgot <laughs> it was on the roster. He also played against Calgary and Edmonton and Vancouver in the middle True. of February as well. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, that is not an issue anymore. Um, he was injured for a significant amount of time, though, so maybe that is why he's his yeah. like his numbers aren't as great because uh, it it says that he's only played like thirty games um, this year. Um, and that's including the one game he's played for the Bruins so far. So it's like there there is a chance that he's still not like a hundred percent ready. But you know he he like you know at the same time like Taylor Hall was on our third line, uh, so it's like we don't need him to be a hundred percent healthy. I mean it would be nice obviously, but it's like yeah, former you know. MVP on your third line, what a luxury. <laughs> exactly, and like I guess also it's just it's just interesting because. I, I mean, it's a little bit different from the Tampa Bay situation because Kucherov let, was gone for the entire regular season. Um, and, like, it's also different from the Chicago system, uh, situation because Patrick Kane was really good before he got injured that year in 2015. Um, or Vegas, where they had a bunch of guys on LTIR and they never even made the playoffs. Uh, but yeah, if you can have, like, I was just thinking about this the other day. It's like once Taylor Hall's healthy in the playoffs, it's like, I don't even know who you bump out because it's like every single player is like nice. (laughs) So it's like, it's very possible that you could have Tyler Pertuzzi on the fourth line somehow. And it's like, oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) Like that, that's great. So um, and the it's other like th- a lot of it's like yeah. the Team USA or Team Canada yeah. roster. It's just like greatness everywhere you look. Right, right, right. Because it's like okay, he's probably like Hall's probably bumping AJ Greer, who's on the fourth line right yeah. now, uh, and he's probably our worst forward. I would imagine maybe Thomas Nosek, although Nosek was is, has been pretty good recently. Um, but it's just like, oh, okay, this is <laughs> this is quite a luxury, you know. So. Um, and yeah, I think I think we've we've mentioned this before. It's just of, or I've mentioned it before. It's like the Bruins, before the deadline, the Bruins had no clear weaknesses because it's like they've been killing every, pretty much every team. So like, the only thing you were really or I was really asking for was just more depth. And if you can get Bertuzzi, um, and like even at that, it's like okay, if Taylor Hall's on your third line, as we were saying, it's like you're you're pretty good depth wise. But the fact that you can add Tyler Bertuzzi, Garnett Hathaway, also Dmitry Orlov, who's who's basically Hampus Lindholm 2.0. He might even be better with like how much how good he has been uh, lately. But yeah, it's just um, it's just uh, so it's like it's perfect. Also, I love how like. Don Sweeney's like realizes that he's not good at with drafting, um, and so he's like, like you know, even if we had our first round picks in twenty twenty three, or in twenty twenty four, it's like we're probably gonna like we could probably could eventually get those guys in the third round <laughs> where where they're selected instead of in the first round. So I like the fact that Don Sweeney has learned from his on his job where he's like, okay. 
like we've we've managed to draft guys in later rounds. Um, a couple of guys have actually been decent from a prospect perspective, but it's just like, all right, let's um, you know, we don't we don't like we're we're planning for now, and let's uh, let's go for it. So, um, so you have to appreciate that, or just the fact that Don Sweeney knows what he's doing. Uh, speaking of which, uh, Don Sweeney did the move that we all thought he was going to do. Uh, he signs David Pasternak um, for a, an eight-year deal worth uh, with eleven point two five million um, per. And um, yeah, this is uh, this is quite the deal. This is something that like I know that Steve has been kind of teasing me um, at the beginning of the year, saying like, "Oh, this Pasternak's going to leave. He's he's all that stuff." I never really thought that Pasternak was going to leave. Um, it made no sense, even if they were thinking of rebuilding at some point. Um, it's like, you know, he's 26 years old. Um, he's, like, second in goals right now um, in the league. He's um, he's incredible. It's someone that, like, you don't even trade away, even if the Bruins are going to stink next year. So, um, so yeah, I, I love this move. I'm, I'm glad that we were able to keep him. Um, and it also just speaks to the element of, like, this is another thing that uh, Sweeney is really good at. Like, yeah, uh, like, Charlie McAvoy was signed for $9.5 million for a long-term deal. Hampus Lindholm was $6.5 million, which I thought was rich at the time, but that's looking pretty good right now. Um, Brandon Carlo, who's an underrated sh- shutdown defenseman, $4.1 million. Like, even, like, Linus Olmark, who's incredible right now, Five million for three years. It's just like he's able to get these guys um, for cheap. But like I can't even really say that Pasternak is this this contract is cheap for for the Bruins because um, at eleven point two five um, that makes him the second highest paid winger um, in the league, and uh, Artemi Panarin um, is the fir- still the highest um, in terms of cap hit. Um, which is funny because they're both like, you know, Panarin's nickname is like Breadman and Pasternak's nickname is Pasta. So it's just like two food groups um, or two foods uh, are nicknames for uh, our highest paid wingers and all that stuff. But um, but yeah, this is... Yeah, basically if your last name starts with a P and you're sponsored by Carbohydrate, you get paid big Exactly, money. exactly. Yeah, that was my joke originally. But I'll I'll, I'll, I'll let you take that, that joke. Um, I, said, I said it twice because it was that good. Yeah, yeah thank you. Um, but um, yeah, so it's, it's, just, it's just one of those things where it's like, yeah, I love this deal. And I mean, yeah, it'll probably hurt later on when he gets older, but... I, I'm just glad that we're we're able to have him for mo- his entire prime, um, and that's that's really what you're most excited about. So, yeah. If you're looking at a shot generator, 292 shots in 62 games. That's more than McDavid. Seven shots higher than McDavid. I'll say it now before McDavid uh, properly uh, throws that out the window. Um, in two fewer games than McDavid, he did that. Um, the shooting percentage not as high as McDavid because McDavid has 52 goals, Pasternak has 44. But when you also consider that McDavid averages 22-46 a game, Pasternak's only 19-45 a game, and McDavid also is leading an electrifying Oilers power play that runs strictly through him and Dreisaitl. I mean, David Pasternak is the closest thing to 
a goal scorer not named Austin Matthews or Connor McDavid, and he yeah. has been hands down a better goal scorer this season than Austin Matthews. Um, so down the road, um, you're still getting you know elite goal scoring from Pasternak. You want icebreakers; he's one of the best at it in the game. You want game winners; he's one of the best at it in the league. Um, and shot generation, all all of the metrics. They add up to a superstar. And I think the message it would send if they didn't keep him uh, would just be a real gut punch for the Bruins and a real step back for the, the core that we're trying to build once Pasternak leaves, or uh, once, uh, sorry, once Bergeron and Krejci leave, if, if you say they're going to retire, uh, that's a possibility after this year or even down the line if they decide to come back. It's going to happen at some point. And, you know, you're left with, what, Marshawn McAvoy if you don't have Pasternak? The right. fact that you have Pasternak anchoring that power play, a one-timer specialist, um, he can score goals in a variety of different ways. And he's, he's also a clutch performer. In the playoffs, in the playoffs, he is dialed in. And, and that is something that, you know, when you look at all the other acquisitions, uh, Timo Meyer being the biggest name, um, he's not the playoff performer that Sternak is, that Patrick Kane was uh, in Chicago, and maybe still could be with the Rangers. Um, David Pasternak is, you know, when you look at the past five or six playoffs, he's probably right up there with the best of them. Yeah. And yes, a good chunk of that is on the because of the Bruins teams that he's played on. But it also is a testament to how good Pasternak is as a player, a good team-first guy. And uh, he is currently fourth in the league in scoring with 84 points. Uh, and his goals rank him second in the league. Like I said, the only one that has more is Connor McDavid. And the fact that he does most of his scoring at even strength um, is also pretty interesting, too. He has another 30-goal season. The only other three that uh, have scored 30 goals uh, and more will join him but uh, the only ones not named David Pasternak that have scored at least 30 even strength goals are Miko Ranson and Connor McDavid and Jack Hughes yeah. so he's, he's in great company among the league's best yeah yeah I guess the the only thing you will like I do wonder is like is like once because I, I guess Yes, it's not like 100% for certain that if Bergeron and Krejci retire this, this offseason. Um, but if that happens, then it's like, okay, who is David Pasternak's center going to be? And will he have as good of a chemistry as those two guys that he has had? Um, so that's like, you know, and you could also make a knock that like Bergeron's defense makes it so that Pasternak doesn't have to worry about the defense as much so it's like you do worry about that once like when the Bruins do move on from Krejci and uh, Bergeron whenever that is um so that's like the other concern but at the same time it's just like I, I was just talking up <laughs> Trent Frederick um he's he's a decent center I feel like the Bruins might not be at, in bad shape even if if Bergeron and Krejci do leave next year, but that is something that you do have to think about of like, how good is Pasternak going to be without these two great centers that he's had 
great chemistry in his young career so far. So that's the only thing that what I, I like, do know is that yeah. the Bruins would be better. Uh, would yeah. I, I really question the Bruins wouldn't be better yeah. if they were going to lose those two centers regardless and they didn't keep passing. Oh, yeah, yeah. At least to have passed an act. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I'm not, I'm not saying that as, like, a reason to, to get rid of him. It's just, it's just more yeah, of, no. like... It's just more of like an like now that's something that we have to like, you know like I I feel like Pasternak's good on his own. He doesn't need Bergeron and Krejci. Of course they help him, but it's like, okay like, like can we find like a younger center for him? Um, and it, so that that will just be the next thing where it's like okay that's something that the Bruins will now have to worry about is finding that center that's that's going to gel with with uh, uh, Pasternak. And also finding that around the cap yeah. as well, because yeah. again, like yeah. David Pasternak is a hundred percent worth the money he's going to be exactly. getting paid soon. But his current contract is six point six 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 times six six infinity million. Right. Uh, but it's going to jump up to eleven point two five million. That's yeah. a significant climb. Yeah. Uh, and I would imagine the salary cap is going to go up as the years go by. Right. But for the immediate future, that does hamper the Bruins' ability in terms of guys that they can keep. We already know they're going to be saying goodbye to some key players, but fitting in a reliable center uh, that can play with Pasternak, those don't grow on trees in terms of guys you're looking at right away. And the other thing is where you're going to find that guy. Yeah, yeah. And not to mention the fact that, like, there's also, like, another elite winger on the team as well in, in Brad Marchand. So it's like... You also have to find another, like, not just one center that's going to play well with Pasternak. You also need to find a center that can play well with Marshawn or, you know, find two guys that can play well with both those guys. Uh, so that's that's really something that, I mean, like, it's not, like, a worry right now because, you know, of course you have Bergeron and Krejci and you can kind of, like, interchange those four guys that I just mentioned together and that's what Montgomery has pretty much done um, and Cassidy has done as well. But the fact that, like, okay, that's that's going to be something now that we have to start thinking about. And, and you just said it, too, is that, like, you know, you look at the Edmonton Oilers uh, cap situation, you look at the Maple Leafs cap situation, it's like, yes, Austin Matthews is worth that much. Yes, Connor McDavid, Dreisaitl are worth that much. Mitch Marner is another one. But, like, now you have to, like, work around passer next contract um so that's that's just like the only thing now where you're like okay how are we going to afford all these guys and and be able to keep them which is primarily why the bruins are like this is the best window or the best year for the bruins to actually win the cup because next year it's going to be it's going to be pretty bad um but having said that let's uh let's go to the red wings who have uh, turn their focus more on the future and have done the exact opposite of what the Bruins are doing uh, because they traded away not just Tyler Bertuzzi, but they traded away um, uh, Oscar Sundquist, Jacob Verona, and Philip Hironik. Um, we'll, we'll talk about the Hironik trade in more depth because Vancouver is one of the teams that we're going to talk about. But uh, they did get... So they traded Philip Hironik um, they got a 20, uh, they also traded away their 23 fourth round pick, um, but they ended up getting a 2023 first round pick, uh, that's, uh, that was from the Islanders, which is crazy 
Um, and we also get a 2023 second round pick, which is from Vancouver. It's it's insane because I I like I still don't know why Vancouver did this. I guess they're like going for it. I guess again, I don't know. Canucks are gonna Canuck, <laughs> and I have no idea what the hell their plan is. And and, and just because we're not talking about the Canucks, I will just put this out there. Yeah, we'll talk uh, about the exhibit a, a of Canucks gonna Canuck. J T yeah. Miller, February twenty seventh. That says he's week to week. March first, he's playing tonight. You just signed him to a seven-year deal literally months ago. Are you trading him? I don't I don't really care no. if you got any offers for well, him. I don't can care we, really can we say this, that you can got we any offers for him. It's like, can we say this you talk? this move. All right, we're going to save this talk till Vancouver. <laughs> yeah, no, but it... Let's, again, it's, okay. it's it's stupid. And yeah, Steve yeah. Eiserman is just cackling like a madman. Th- yeah, this yeah. is the conditional pick that yeah. was sent to Vancouver in the Bull War battery. I know, I know. It's, incre- it's it crazy. It could be like 11 to 20. That's significant difference from yeah. 20 to 32. And then you get a second on top of that. Yeah, That's yeah. good, tidy business. Yeah, the only thing about Detroit, it's like I get that. What, what's crazy about this is that they lose these two games to Ottawa. Um and uh, like I think it was like a weird happenstance because one of the games was postponed um, earlier yeah. on in the season, so like they played them back to back and just worked out that way. Um, and yeah. I, I guess it was just like one of those things where it's like, oh, let's um, you know they they end up losing to Ottawa twice, and then you're thinking like, oh okay, like I, I guess Yzerman and and company were just thinking like, all right, we're <laughs> like. We can't lose to Ottawa and and be a serious playoff contenders. Let's just let's just sell what we can sell and 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 become uh, like just get what we can get from all these guys. So they yeah. So they sell Philip Peronic, which I don't think teams realized that Philip Peronic was available. Um, so so there was that. Uh, they sell Tyler Bertuzzi, which we just talked about. Uh, they get a 2024 first round pick. Not to mention the fact that like the Bruins could suck next year. Um, it's very possible, but like it is a top ten protected pick, so it's like I, I think the Red Wings are probably gonna take that pick because I I don't know like even though I was concerned about like not like what this team will look like if Bergeron and Krejci retire, it's like I don't think they're gonna be a lottery team still. But um, but yeah, the the fact that even still eleven yeah. to twenty, like I said, yeah. that's a big difference between twenty to thirty, uh, twenty one yeah. to thirty two. And it's a top ten protected pick, so it's like even if, um, you know, the like even if the Bruins don't uh, do well, it's like you know for another year, it's like okay, then the Red Wings have a twenty twenty five first round pick from a team that just is a lottery team, so. Um, and if the yeah. Bruins don't bounce back, that could be a top ten pick in twenty twenty five. Exactly. So, so it's, and and they have it. Yeah. You know, so that's that's nice there. Um, then they trade Jacob Ferrana, which is kind of uh, well, it's not really that surprising actually. But um, the fact that Verana, um, so some like I I don't know if we actually talked about it when that happened, but Verana was put on like this assistive program. Um, players assistance program. Player assistance program. So we're still not entirely sure of, like, what what he's dealing with uh, mentally, but we do know that he was like, he was then put on the Red Wings, or he like there was still some like 
controversy of like if he was going to play, if he wasn't going to play. It seemed like he he just never got going when he was in Detroit. Um, he did have two points in five games that he's played um, uh, this season, so it's not like you know. I guess that's not bad, but it's not great. Um, so it, it does make you wonder, like, okay, like, I, I really like this move from the Blues. I I don't think we're talking about the Blues in this episode. We aren't. But uh, I do like this move from the Blues. I liked how they picked up Casper Kapanen. Of course, they also, you know, added a bunch of, like, deals. But um, I do like this move. Or, like, you know, the, the Blues are just trying to, like, pick up guys that could have could could be something um, in the next uh two months or some or so or next two years not two months but um you know so I I do like this move for St. Louis but it does seem like Jacob Verona just needed a change of scenery so um yeah so the Red Wings ended up getting Dylan McDonough McLaughlin in a 2025 seventh round pick so essentially it was like Jacob Verona for Dylan McLaughlin um who's in the AHL right now. I don't think McLaughlin is like a supposed like player in this league, but maybe he will. He was undrafted. Okay. Um, so. <laughs> yeah. So he, he might not. He's be... had some decent AHL numbers okay. though. He, he, he could be, you know, like a fringe okay. NHL player at worst. So they, so they didn't really get a whole lot of from for Verona, which is a little surprising because it's like, you know... They got but, cap space. Yeah, that's what they got. Yeah, they retained fair. 50% of Verona's salary as well to make yeah, that. Yeah, that, that's a good point, I guess. It's just... And, like, you know, I guess there's, like, a sense of, like, well, okay, maybe, like, Verona's stock has fallen so far where it's, like, you can just... The guys in the Wind Wheel podcast, uh, from what they heard, there was doubts yeah. he may ever suit up for the Red Wings again. So, yeah. I, to me, this isn't a big of a surprise. No, no, it's not It's not a big just surprise. I'm not, I'm not saying that. I guess it was just more that, like, there was a couple of years ago when he was on the Capitals where it was, like... Yeah. So I, I remember like, when wow they got Verona. Wow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or I remember that deal where they uh, like it was Verona and Mantha uh, were yeah, traded for Mantha, each other. Yeah. I was just like, oh, I could see the Red Wings like winning this trade. So it was just it's yep. more of like, okay, like there was some nice stock of it. So it's like it's one of those like, redemption stories where it's like I'm I'm rooting for Jacob Verona, or I hope there's something um, in him that the Blues can can fix. So we'll we'll see. Um, and then the other thing that the Red Wings have is uh, they traded Oscar Sundquist, speaking of Blues, um, to the Minnesota Wild, and the Red Wings just get a 2023 fourth-round pick. Um, so not bad for a team that like just realized they were sellers in um, in a week. So um, so yeah, this was a, this was a nice nice grab bag for the Red Wings, um, and yeah, they have. Five picks in the first two rounds of of the twenty twenty three, yeah, and and it's it's a it's a good uh, thing. Also, I guess we should also mention the fact that they signed Dylan Larkin as well uh, to an eight year, eight point seven five seven million uh, deal, um, and yeah, that, that that's a nice deal for for them. It's some uh, like you know I think I think we mentioned this before, but. You know, this is a player that they can kind of, like, build their team around. Um, I don't think the Red Wings are going to be a top 10 pick or have a top 10 pick this year. Like, I know that they're struggling lately, but um, but 
who knows? Um, but like, it is nice that they were able to like, uh, like you know, figure something out because I know that there was like a month ago they were saying how Larkin was, um, like thinking or like Larkin and Yeiserman were kind of saying the opposite things. And then Larkin said, like, oh, he wants to stay here. So you're, you're thinking, like, oh, okay, they're, they're going to figure something out. But I guess when the Red Wings realized, like, okay, our season, we're not making the playoffs, they just decided to, to make this, this contract happen right now um, instead. And, yeah, it's, um, it's an out bad deal, um, especially since it's, like, a 2.6 um, million upgrade from his previous contract. Um, so, yeah, it's, it, it could work out for them, and, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things where Larkin probably sh- shouldn't have publicly said that he wants to stay in Detroit, because you might have gotten more money if he, if he didn't say that. Uh, I think he probably would have gotten roughly the same yeah. amount of money that he got in Detroit, and but I, I, I think there was a team in East There was a tweet somewhere that said that, like, his agent was public, like, was telling him, like, just just don't say that you want to stay here because like that just hurts your negotiation tactics but um but yeah no you're right i I think we both knew that he wasn't getting traded or uh leaving detroit i mean uh side note when todd uh, tyler bertuzzi i keep saying todd tyler bertuzzi got traded um and this is literally less than 24 hours after he signed his extension Dylan Larkin was fighting back tears in the media room because one of his best buddies got traded and he loves this team. And the reason why he's saying, I want to stay in Detroit is because he means it. Yeah. And I think you need that heart and soul identity. And that is another reason why it was important if you're the Detroit Red Wings to get this deal done, because you just set yourselves back three steps. If you don't in your rebuild process, and they're not out of the rebuild just yet. These uh, past couple of weeks have proven that. They're definitely on their way up. But you look at some of the stuff that has not gone their way. Alex Nadelkovich, everyone thinking, oh, you know, you got this Vili Huso guy coming in. Right, this is right. going to be a reliable one-two tandem. And then Nadelkovich, next thing you know, is being stashed in the minors. And his future with the team is, is uncertain beyond this year because it's just like, well, you know, if we've... We have, you know, this the salary, and you know, if we're putting that in the AHL, like, kind of have to rethink our goaltending a little bit, perhaps. Um, and then, you know, the Jacob Verana stuff happened as well, and Philip Zadina is struggling to, you know, be a consistent NHL player, just like playing consistent NHL hockey, just playing consistent NHL games has been challenging at times due to injury. Um, so they've had some things go right. They've had some things not go their way. Um, and you know what? It looked like they were on their way up. But those two games against Ottawa, 6-2, 6-1 decisions, not only did they get outclassed on the ice, but they were mentally not there. They were disorganized. Brady Kachuk was picking up every single ounce of real estate in Michigan he could find. He was in their heads constantly, chirping at the bench, chirping at Larkin after Larkin got an interference call for hitting Kachuk and then the send score, and then Kachuk immediately chirps at Larkin, who's sitting in the box, just watching Kachuk 
celebrate a goal that he just scored on that power play. And then he, and the night before, he challenges the Red Wings bench. He's yelling, who wants it? Who wants it? Right. And they get outscored 12-3 to in those two games. It's the way they lost those two games. Then Steve Eisman picks up the phone, and then he starts making those trades. And you know what? In those trades, I think, again, a nice bit of tidy business for Steve Eisman when you consider that uh, he got a couple of first-round picks out of it. Uh, Steve Eisman, as we mentioned, uh, we've already talked about um, the uh, Tyler Bertuzzi trade where he got a first-round pick from the Bruins and a fourth. Um, but uh, he also got, uh, like we mentioned, uh, the conditional first-round pick from the Islanders in the Bo Horvat trade. He got that from the Canucks in the Philip Aronic trade as well as a second in 2023. He also cleared out cap space. $2.75 million in the Sunquist trade. $2.675 million in the Jacob Verana trade. And that uh, salary retention is going to carry into next year because I think Verana's under contract next year as well. But the Tyler Bertuzzi salary retention is going to be up after this season, which means while they did save $2.375 million in cap space, it's actually going to be a lot more once Bertuzzi's contract ends in July. And then with the Philip Aronic trade, he trades out $4.4 million off the books there. So... Even though Dylan Larkin is getting paid, a good chunk of that money isn't going to take up the salary cap space they're about to gain. They'll still have somewhere in the neighborhood of 6 to $10 million to yeah. spend on whatever they need uh, to right the ship here. It's a minor bump in the road, but I think uh, they were able to do a lot of good things with uh, the assets uh, that they've acquired yeah. through this process. And you mentioned um, the fact that the Red Wings have a first round pick it might not be top 10 but again it'll be in the 11 to 20 range assuming they get the Islanders pick it'll probably be in the 11 to 20 range as well which again in a deep draft is not bad yep. and then you have three second round picks one of them from St. Louis who is not doing well one of them from Vancouver who is not doing well those are the, you could get late first round talent out of those yep. three second round picks yeah yeah um, by the way, the Red Wings are the tenth worst worst team right now, so they they, they could have a top ten pick. Um, yeah, they, right. they could be. They're eligible for the lottery. I believe the lottery is only the bottom ten teams. Oh, like you mean like even for for the draft lottery? Yeah, because they changed it, the draft rules. Oh, really? So I thought it was like every team that could. It, it used that, to be, but uh, I think class. it's only the bottom 10 that are oh, eligible. Really? Okay, interesting. Yeah. I didn't realize So that they don't anything. have, you know, teams like the Edmonton Oilers if they uh, miss the playoffs just okay. lucking their way into Bedard. Yeah, oh, okay. That that changes things. I mean, I know that there, yeah. there was, like, a low percentage of those teams winning anyways, but I thought, I, I didn't realize, like, they couldn't even win it even still. So, okay, that changes yeah, things, Yeah, I'm too. pretty sure, I'm pretty sure it's bottom okay. 10 only. That, expl- that that may explain why a lot of teams were willing to trade up their 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 picks. Uh, then I, Maybe. I you know I, we're we're, t- we're going to talk about Ottawa in a second, so I was wondering why they were willing to do that. Okay, that makes some sense then. Um, okay, so the the next team though uh, we aren't talking about Ottawa in a second. I I see that we have forty. Uh, we're up to 46 minutes, um, and we've only talked about two teams, so we have to be a little bit more quick now, I feel like. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll pick it up. We'll pick yeah, it up. exactly. 
Uh, so Toronto made a lot of moves here. Uh, so uh, yeah, they they made a trade with uh, Vancouver. They get Luke Shen from a for a twenty twenty three third round pick. They trade Pierre Engvall for a twenty twenty four third round pick, or they get uh, sorry they traded Pierre Engvall to the Islanders. They get a twenty four third round pick. They trade they get Luke Shen and they traded away. Uh, or they only gave up a 2023 third round pick. Uh, they also get Radim's so Horna and um, and uh, Dryden Hunt goes to Calgary. Uh, but now like there's two big trades that they made. I was just mentioning the two the the three minor trades that they made. Um, although I guess Luke Shen could could be decent in the playoffs for them. Uh, there's uh, so they get Jake McCabe. Sam Lafferty, a 2024 fifth round pick, which is a conditional one, and a 2025 fifth round pick, which is also conditional. Um, um, and they give up Joey Anderson, Pavel Gogolev, a 2025 first round pick from Toronto, which is conditional, and a 2026 second round pick. Um, so the. Top 10 protected, I believe, is yeah, the condition. Exactly. I was about point. to get into the conditions. Um, so the, yeah, the 2025th. 25 first round pick that they gave to Chicago. It's top 10 protected. Um, and then the 2024 fifth round pick that they get from Chicago. Um, that pick is transferred to Toronto. It will be the lowest of the 2024 fifth round picks that Chicago owns at the time of the draft. Um, so, so there's that. Um, and then they also get uh, Eric Gustafson, um, and a 2023 first-round pick from Boston, um, that to and they send Rasmus Sandin to the Washington Capitals. Um, let's start with, I mean, it's it's an interesting like these two moves are pretty interesting because I guess these moves were more of like, okay, they need to solidify their defense because they realize that they're going to be handling. If they can't make it out of Tampa, they're going to be dealing with Boston. Both Tampa and Boston are very strong on the offensive side of things. Not to say that Toronto is, is strong on the offensive side of things as well, but they needed to clear their defense and, and get a couple of decent guys. So Luke Shen, um, he's he's more known for like a shutdown role, but he used to play for Tampa. Um, so maybe there is something there where he knows Tampa's secrets and how they play. And he can he can tell Toronto how to beat them, basically. Um, He's also won a cup, which is more important. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I, I'm joking, but like I, I think there is some, also true. There there is some psychology to that too, where you're like you're you like you you get him just so that he can beat their former team. Um, they get Jake McCabe, um, who's more known for his defensive side of things, but that that's fine too. Um, you know, you don't necessarily like. I feel like Toronto has enough offense from their defense with Morgan Riley um, that they need that. Uh, Eric Gustafson is actually not having a bad season for uh, for Washington, but he has thirty eight points in sixty three games. So you get that guy. Um, I guess the only thing that was kind of surprising was the fact that they were willing to trade Rasmus Sandin. I know that he wasn't, like, a big 
uh, like he he struggled, he's been struggling lately, uh, but it's like you know he he was like at a time one of their best prospects um, for a, a couple of of years and he was considered um, an untouchable. It's exactly. Like, yeah. So partying with this guy, this guy's gonna be a legend for us. Exactly, and I think like you know like yeah he has twenty three points in fifty three games. Um, which isn't bad, but, like, I, I think he could... I know that we're not going to be talking about Washington this year, but I kind of like that, uh, that like, he, he could be decent for Washington now. Um, I am curious to see how he does in, like, a, an increase of role, because it's like, even if Sandine was good, he was never going to surpass Morgan Riley. He just wasn't. Um, so, so the fact that they can, like... Get, like, and Eric Gustafsson isn't a bad defenseman in his own right, um, so it's not, like, a bad deal. I think another factor was that Timothy Lilligren and Connor Timmins were both getting going, and they were more, like, they, they could do much more than Rasmus Sandin was able to do, so I think that's ultimately why they felt comfortable with trading Rasmus Sandin. Um, and you get a guy like Eric Gustafsson, so you just, you know, I, I think this is really what Toronto was able to do is just like pad up the defensemen because they've realized that's why they lost to the Bruins in the playoffs. That's why they can't get past the Lightning in the first round. That's why they haven't been able to make it past the first round in the, the in the Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner era. Um, and they need to like have a supporting cast. So it's like, okay, Luke Shen, Jake McCabe, um, and Eric Gustafson. It's like you, you could... You could do better, but you could also do worse. So, um, so I, I, and I think this is like, if if Toronto doesn't lose, like loses to um, Tampa in the playoffs, um, Sheldon Keith loses his job, and so does Kyle Dubas. Um, like this is the like you know I I it's uh it's one of those things where like Dubas is like okay yeah Rasmus Sandin might be something. But he's not going to, like, there's a potential that Dubis won't be on the team um, if Rasmus Sandin becomes something. So, so yeah, this is just something where uh, their pressure's on in Toronto, where they, they need to make moves, and, and this is what they were doing. So I, I don't hate what they were doing. They also got Achari and O'Reilly from the Blues earlier, yep. who have already paid off dividends. Fair. Yep. So they're yep. too. Um, in, in regards to the McCabe and Lafferty deal, Steve Dangle called it a heist, and he's not wrong. Um, first of all, they got Jake McCabe yep. on retained salary for the rest of this year, all of next year, and all the year after that. Yep. So that's a $2 million cap hit for Perm as well. Uh, and you also have Sam Lafferty under contract for next year, too. Mm. So you got a good bottom six forward to, for the rest of this year and all of next year. All they give up is Joey Anderson, Pavel Gogolev, a conditional first round pick that's top 10 protected and a second like they didn't give up Nick Robertson they yep. didn't give up Rodion Amarov and they didn't give up Matthew Nines who a lot of people were just thinking okay we're probably going to get rid of him and probably the reason why they didn't get rid of Sandine is probably because they had the Washington trade in place because yep. a series of trades happened at once uh, between the Leafs and other teams um, so uh, yeah um, I mean, to be fair to that though, like like these these players that they got, I like I don't know why you would get like a top prospect for that. Like I, like Ryan O'Reilly, I could understand 
like trading one of your top prospects for. But I, I like, and as I do like Jake McKay, but I don't think that like that wouldn't be a, like I don't know why they would expect to be trading Matthew Nines for. Um, so, so adding to the narrative about defense and why they traded away Rasmus yeah. Sandin. So you have Jake McCabe, even if you don't have Jake Musenby on this year, yep. by the way, because there's, you know, yep. he, he may never play again with his injury. Yep. You still have Morgan Riley, you still have Jake McCabe, still have TJ Brody, you have Connor Timmons in the mix uh, for the time being. You also have Justin Hall. Um, even though Steve Dangle probably gets nightmares every time someone say says that guy's name in public, um, they they have a pretty loaded decor. They have Timothy Lilligren as well. Um, the minutes just weren't adding up. The math wasn't adding up for Rasmus Sandin to be getting those minutes uh, for him to become their Rasmus Dalin. And uh, now he's going into a Washington market where outside of Nick Jensen, who just signed to a contract extension, fortunately, and John Carlson, who's won a Norris trophy, um, they really don't have any defensemen under contract for the upcoming season. Uh, So he's probably going to get better minutes than he did in Toronto. He's got Alex Ovechkin and Nick Bastrom to play with. I think Rasmus uh, Sandin is going to pop up big time with the Capitals. Yep. But similar to guys that have left Toronto and turned into stars later, that doesn't necessarily mean, oh, we could have done that with the Maple Leafs. It's like, look at the roster. Yeah, yeah. Like, what's it going to do? <laughs> yeah. They, they, got, they, got, uh, they got so many roster spots and only so many talents to fill them, and they got an abundance of riches. Yep. That, that happens. And they get a veteran presence in Eric Gustafson, who is a one-dimensional defenseman, but he can help out the secondary power play unit. And they got a first-round pick from Boston that they also didn't trade away, so they could use that for future trade yeah. paint for next year. Uh, Pierre Engvall, again, they have a lot of offensive weapons. Pierre Engvall is tall. He is an underrated goal scorer. Lou Lamorell is probably going to do something productive with him in the bottom six. But the Leafs can part ways with a third-round pick, and then they trade... Not that same round pick, but their own third round pick to Vancouver for Luke Shen, who Ryan O'Reilly calls the human eraser. And people forget, was originally drafted by Toronto when they were very, very bad in 2008 and um, is now coming to a Toronto team that is ready, willing, and able to go up against anybody. And I think Dubas made these moves out of necessity. The Leafs were good but they needed to get better to prepare for the war that was coming and even if their mission fails at least Kyle Dubas can say he tried yep. he did everything he could and now it's up to the players yep yeah that's fair um it, it does feel weird that Toronto has Boston's first round pick it's just it's just weird <laughs> Especially since yeah, like that, 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 that yeah. just watch that pick is gonna turn into the next David Pass. Basically, yeah. I, especially since it's like uh, the the like there's a there's a significant chance that Toronto and Boston might meet in the playoffs too. So it's like yeah, <laughs> like, I don't yeah, know how that's happened. Yeah. yeah. Um, we do have to get going because uh, like yeah. yeah, the Atlantic has it's basically been a three team race. Um, and or, or like these team these three teams have been in the the playoff 
have been in the playoffs since the beginning of the season. Um, and we've already talked about two of them. The third team we've already mentioned as well is the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, they, in terms of Toronto and Boston, they didn't make as many moves, but they did make one that kind of has been having a lot of teams and uh, media people questioning what, what, what is Tampa doing here. Um, so, uh, so I say this uh, because, well, first off, I'll talk about the, the minor trade uh, that they got, which was Michael Isimote uh, from the San Jose Sharks, um, and the Sharks get Vladislav uh, Nemestikov, who they later turned uh, and they traded Nemestikov away. Um, this was an interesting deal just from the standpoint that like the Sharks are rebuilding and why did they trade away this guy who uh, they claimed off of waivers and is still pretty young. It's just like, why, why were they doing that? But, um, but yeah, in, in terms of like, oh, they were just moving Nemesnikov and getting some picks back for him. So it's like, okay, I, I kind of can see it now. But at the time, you're just like, wait, Tampa, like, Iceman has actually not been that bad this season. So so that's a nice trade for them. The thing that I'm talking about, though, is uh, Tanner Janot is, uh, is uh, what Tampa got. Um, and then the Predators get Calfoot, a 2025 first round pick, which is top 10 protected, a 2024 second round pick, a 2023 fifth round pick, a 2023 fourth round pick, and a 2023 third round pick. Um, For those of you keeping track at home, Tampa doesn't pick in a very stacked 2023 yeah. draft until round six, yeah. and they also have two sevenths. Also, but- also, they're, they're out of action until round six on draft day. Also, this is the first pick in cap-friendly history that um, a first, a second, a third, a fourth, and a fifth have been traded away as well as, like, a prospect. Like, I mean, I guess Calfoot isn't a prospect at this point, but he's a, he's a decent young player now. He's um, a former first-round pick. He was drafted the same spot McAvoy was yeah. in his draft year. So, so I guess... Uh, so Julian Breesbaugh mentioned that, like, because, like, he was getting flack on this. He mentioned how that even if, like, yeah, these picks are, like, it's a lot of picks. But he was saying that, like, this team is going for it now. Um, and he wanted a player that can help increase their, their chances that they're going to go on a long run. And Tanner Janot is that guy. Um, so he, he didn't like, he doesn't care about a ton of picks in the future because those picks, like, even if they do pan out, they're not going to help them, uh, this year or next year, which is the window that he cares about, which is fair. Um, and, and also it's like, this is in line to his last year's trade with, uh, what he did with Brandon Hagel. That's also fair. The fact that when Steve met, emailed me saying that the lightning were going to get Tanner Janot. I was just like, fuck, <laughs> like that's, uh, like, I was just like, yeah. watch, they're probably going to trade a first as well. Right, right, right. They right. Did. We knew, we knew that they were like, this is what they do. It's just like, uh, I, I, I love it's can't, 5D chess. Can't explain it. Here's the thing though. Like, I know this is what Tampa does. And that is a reasonable take from Julian Breesbaugh. Still, it's like, 
like Tanner Janot was the most sought after like like that that means when all this thing is done it's like Timo Meyer got less than this in the terms of return. Jacob Chikrin got less than this. Patrick Kane got less than this. Ryan O'Reilly got less than this. Bill Horvath got less than this. It's just like, I, I like Tanner Janot. There is something to the fact that he's still like a young guy. He can hit. He's a, he's a decent power forward. This is a guy that's not probably not going to be on your top six. Like, I'm skeptical of the... Brandon Hagel thing, and I was like, of course, like, you know, they're going to turn Brandon Hagel into something. It's just like, it comes to a point where it's like, okay, relax, Tampa. It's like, like, this is like definitely an overselling. It's just like, just from the face of it, it's just like, you're basically trading all these picks and a young, uh, young player, um, for, for a guy who's just going to be on your bottom six this year. <laughs> so it's just, like yeah, they're 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 probably gonna sign him, but Tanner Janot has all this leverage now because Tanner Janot can just say like, I know you traded five picks and a prospect for me, like you must love me. So it's just like, like so so there is a like a chance that like this is like this part is like I know this is what they do. I was also skeptical of the Brandon Hagel deal, and at this point Tampa does know what they're doing, so it's like. Or kind of like an exception to the rule in that regard, but at the same time, it's just like this is a whole like this is probably the biggest overpay I think I've ever seen. So um, yeah, as much as I love Tanner Janot. <laughs> so the thing about Tanner Janot is he costs eight hundred k right now. Yep. Uh, I know it's not going to remain an RFA that way for next long. Year too. But keep in mind. Similar to Brandon Hagel's situation last year when Andre Palat was a pending UFA. This year it's Alex Killarn. Um They also have Ross Colton to sign, mind you, to a new contract. So that doesn't help their case. But Ian Cole is coming off the books. Uh, Brian Elliott at 900K is coming off the books. If they feel Alnafeld is ready, uh, maybe they bring him in as the, as the goalie. Uh, they have one more year of Fred Seabrook dead cap to go through. Uh, Philip Miners is stash in the minor leagues, um, so they could uh, find a new suitor for him. So there's ways that Tampa Bay could find a spot for Tanner to know. But even if he's not a top six forward, you know what Tampa was really good at? Assembling a deadly third line. And it yep. got him a Stanley Cup. And you know what? If he's a key fixture of that third line, I doubt they care. Yeah, but it's still last an year, <laughs> Last year, last year, 24 goals, 41 points, 306, uh, 318 hits. He has 224 hits this year. Sure, he only has five goals and 16 points. That's the other thing, you're, too. You're he's telling me on that Tampa Bay offense of that pedigree, he can't bounce back? Of course he can. I'm not yeah. worried for a second. I, I am worried. Um... But, like, I'm fine if I'm, like, I'm worried in, like, actually, I, I, I'm, like, I'm not worried because, uh, like, I don't know, because it's weird because they're the Bruins' rival at this point, but um, they did lose to Carolina today 6 to nothing. so um, it's, like, okay. But, like, everything, it's just, like, all right, we're about to talk about Jacob Chikrin and Timo Meyer. It's, like, okay, well, he's no Tanner Janot. Like, that's just going to be... I know, like <laughs> the joke now. Whenever we see trades, we're just like, "All right, still not as much as Tanner Janot got." 
Um, so, so that that's the only part. It's like I know this is what Tampa does, and they're probably going to beat the Bruins in the playoffs because Tanner Janot got that game-winning goal or whatever. But, um, but yeah, it's just uh, it's like it's still an overpay. <laughs> it's just they also have prospects uh, in the system like Gage Concalves is uh, yeah, is had a decent year in the AHL, and there's also Lucas Edmonds who they yeah. drafted. And I think it was the third round last year. He could be something too. Yeah, I I, I mean I, I guess they've gotten something out of like you know I think that's what Tampa's really good at is they're able to get a lot of stuff out of their prospects that they drafted younger, namely Nikita Kucherov, but also Braden Point, even though those were second rounders, but like even still like Alex Cohorn, I think he was a fourth rounder. Anthony Sorelli, I think he was a third rounder, um, maybe second rounder. Ross Colton has been really good. Um, I don't know what, what round he was drafted in. So they're able to like get those guys, but like there comes to a point where it's just like, I don't know if they can necessarily rely on their prospect pool. And I think that's a large reason why they were able to do this because they can't compete with New Jersey's Devils prospect system. They can't compete with uh, the Rangers prospects pool. They can't compete with like a lot of teams prospect pool. Um, So they have to like trade all their picks, future picks. And um, so it usually works out for them. And sometimes they can, develop guys and that's what they're that's why they've been so good for so long but at the same time one like, problem for tampa is those three mammoth extensions that yeah. they gave out last summer are going to kick in for yeah. sorelli cernak and surgachev that's yeah. where that's where they could get into some hot water right, right, right. yeah and it's it's one of those things where it's like you know what's interesting though is that like we just talked about Toronto like if they don't make it out of the, the first round they're going to be in trouble and if uh, Tampa doesn't make it out of the first round they're going to be in trouble now and it's like same can be said about the Bruins too it's just like it's just interesting that like three teams futures are all at stake because they pretty much all these the, these three teams have like went all in this year and only one team is going to make the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, yeah, and they're all cash-strapped as well once yeah. the season ends. <laughs> and not to mention, like, there's still that, like, wildcard team that could could be two of these teams. So um, there's also that potential, too. So it's just it's just crazy that it's, like, a lot of the, like, the team's future is in the balance in the next two months. Um, okay. Uh, but, yeah, I, I did want to mention that I – or I wanted on record that I – like, even though I do like Tanner Janot, and I, I am kind of scared of the Lightning because of that, and I know he's struggling this year, but it's just like, come on. Like, once you see the return, you're like, oh, okay. Like, I understand why Nashville does it. Um, I, I guess it was one of those things where Nashville was like, okay, we're not t- trading Tanner Janot, and then they see that Tampa overpaid them by a lot, and then you're like, okay, I, I understand why Nashville did that. Um all right, let's. We have to get going though, um, and especially to talk about your Ottawa Senators. Um, it's been kind of like, you know, to be honest, whenever you've mentioned in the past that like the Senators are going to get Jacob Chikrin or like you're thinking they're going to get Chikrin, and I know that was like 
That has been the rumors for a, a, the last couple of years. Half like, of me was just trying to manifest it yeah, into existence. Exactly. And it's just like, you know, for me, I'm just like, I'll just humor Steve. Like, he's probably not going to Ottawa. It's just not going to happen. But then it's just like, and then once it happens and you you realize, like, wait a second, he's actually on the Ottawa Senators. And, like, like it, like, it wasn't just rumors. He's actually on the Ottawa Senators. I'm like, oh, wow, okay. And, like, yeah, what's crazy is, is because you're thinking that there was this, like, report that the Kings uh, kind of, like, it didn't fall through um, a couple of weeks ago, um, and there was some speculation that, like, it was, like, a goalie con contract thing, um, and, like, Brain Clark wasn't going, but, like, Arizona really wanted that. There was also, like, reports that, like, a lot of teams wanted a prospect or like Arizona really wanted a prospect or a, like a blue call chip prospect from a, like from any team and teams that were getting chicken yeah. also wanted uh, yeah. Arizona to retain salary and they were not game for that whatsoever exactly so that also probably uh, which is funny because of... they uh, took on Jacob Voracek's back contract yeah yeah no that's a good point but like it was also like the fact that like you know, Washington was out of it once they got Rasmus Sandin. Uh, Pittsburgh was out of it um, once they got Granlin, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, there was, like, a few other, like, oh, Edmonton got Matthias Edmonton, Edmonton was the big one yeah. because they, they were talking with Arizona. Yeah. Then they pulled out. They went talking to Nashville. Then they yeah. got the Ekholm deal done. After that, Gavrikov and Corpusalo went yeah, from Columbus to L.A. That was another Chikrin suitor. Yep. Uh, Boston had already made their move, so they were out. They yep. got Dmitry Orlov a week before that. Yeah, so, and so the suitors were dropping like flies, Brad, yeah. as you said. Yeah, so I, I think it was just like Ottawa was able to take advantage of that. But here's the yep. thing is that like all those teams that we just mentioned who got their defensemen, like th those teams are probably making the playoffs uh, no offense, Steve, <laughs> but so it's like, uh, so like Arizona was like, yeah, sure, they settled uh, on this trade, but like they did get a 2023 first round pick, uh, which is a conditional, which is top five protected, but like there's a potential that Ottawa doesn't make the playoffs, um, and and like you're saying that maybe there there isn't like you know even if they did win if they're the bottom ten team. Like, it's top five protected, so this pick won't have any danger for Connor Bedard. You, you, and, like, it, it's funny that this is Ottawa because, like, famously, they didn't have a... They didn't lottery protect their first pick um, in the Matt Duchesne trade, um, and that, that got them in trouble um, and landed uh, Colorado with Bo and Byron eventually. But... Um, but yeah, so so there there is something to that where it's like, okay, yeah, they they didn't end up trading with Edmonton or they didn't end up trading with um, L.A. They didn't end up trading with Pittsburgh, Washington, but like Ottawa is uh, still like a shaky team and they probably won't make the playoffs. So getting a twenty twenty three first round pick for them, like in a a decent draft year is is not th that bad they also get a 2024 second round pick from washington um that i guess was uh with o ottawa 
Um, and that's a condition um, if Ottawa makes it to the 2023 Eastern Conference Final. <laughs> Wait, that's actually the thing? Okay. The pick becomes a 2024 first round top 10 protected. The pick is top 10. The pick becomes an Ottawa 2025 first round pick unprotected. Interesting. Um, the way then, that uh, second round pick from Washington. Thank yeah. you, Connor Brown, for that. Okay. Interesting. But, like, it's just funny that it's like, oh, I think Ottawa thinks they're making the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, okay. Um, and then a 2026 second round pick uh, from Ottawa as well. Um, so, so yeah, I, I think we, we've talked about Jacob Shukran a lot um, in the past couple of years and why he's so he's so good. Um, you know, he's he's under contract for 4.6 million uh, for three more years, um, and that that helps them that helps this Ottawa team a lot, um, especially like when you get Josh Norris back. Um, this this team's going to be pretty good. Um, next year, I imagine. Um, I think Jacob Chikrin has already has a goal um, in this uh, already. Um, so yeah, goal and assist against yeah. Columbus in his second game. He didn't get any points in his debut, but he blocked five shots against the Rangers. Yeah, yeah. And I guess won both of them. Let me see here. So Ottawa it has sixty eight points. The second wild card right now is seventy one points, which is Pittsburgh. So yeah, okay. There, there is a decent shot that Ottawa could make the playoffs. They're um, in the hunt. They are in the hunt. Um, I just, you know, I, I feel like there, like there are six teams that are really good in the Eastern Conference. That's the Bruins. That's the Maple Leafs. That's the Lightning. That's the Hurricanes. Okay. The Devils and the Rangers. Um, so even if Ottawa does make the playoffs, yes, you, you have like one sixteenth shot of winning the Stanley Cup, but like I just don't see them beating any of those teams. Um, no offense, Steve, um, but um, but yeah, it's it, and especially when like it seems like Josh Norris is going to be out long term, um, so it's like okay, you don't have your center. But yeah, no, this is this is definitely looking up for them. I don't want to like trash this trade or anything like that. But um, but yeah, there is like a part of me that's just wondering like, okay, like maybe Ottawa does make the playoffs, but like if they don't, then it's like okay, I can see why Arizona did this. It's like yeah, sure they didn't get Jake Sanderson, they didn't get Red, Ridley Grieg, they didn't get a lot of these prospects that Ottawa uh, could have traded away. Um, which, uh, which is nice, but, but yeah, at the same time, it's like, this is going to be, uh, this pick could be pretty good for Arizona if, uh, if Ottawa doesn't make the playoffs. Trade happened two years ago, I'd be very, very nervous. Yeah. But I'm not. And here's why. My big fight was, and this was back in October where it looked like the Sens were going to get a top 4D, and it looked like Shikrin was the ideal fit. I felt that Ridley Gregg or Shane Pinto, one of them is for sure gone in a Jacob Shikrin trade. Mm -hmm. And for that reason, I was like, I think it's too pricey, too big of a risk, because they're probably going to ask for a first. On top of that, maybe another first or second it's just not worth it 
given where the Sens are. We haven't even really seen the Sens play a game yet with this current core. Uh, with Alistair Brinkett and Claude Giroux in the mix, Cam Talbot as the goalie. So in October, I was pretty hesitant, and I was resigned to the fact that it might not happen, and if it didn't, I'd be okay with it. And, you know, maybe you look for a guy like Sam Gerrard in the offseason on a cash-strapped abs team that'll probably just ask for a second in these years. Yeah. Um, or maybe Colton Pareko or Matias Ekholm, somebody else. Um I, I was accepting the fact that Chikrin was probably not going to land in Ottawa. But then the day of the trade, I saw the TSN ticker, and it said the Sens, Sabres, and Blue Jackets were keeping tabs on Chikrin. Because, of course, as I mentioned, the Gavrikov deal to L.A. happened, yeah. the Ekholm trade to Edmonton happened, and the suitors were going one by one for his services. And then 6 p.m. rolls around that night. And I see on Friedman's Twitter that he retweeted the return from Ottawa in a trade. And I'm like, wow, Ottawa gave up a lot for something. And I was just thinking, wait, did they just did they just trade for... And then I looked down further and I saw Jacob Chikrin's beautiful face on there. And my reaction was, let's go! Sorry if that burst at anybody's ears, and uh, I'm overreacting because Ottawa still has to open their paychecks for us yeah. to break it at the yeah, end of the year. Allowed. But, but this this is absolutely huge for the Sens because they get their top four defensemen. They're running Thomas Shabbat into the ground with the amount of ice time he's getting. Yes, Jake Sanderson helps. Yes, Artem Zub is a big help. Yes, they have other young defensive pieces. Eric Brandstrom is getting better and better. But they need a minutes eater, a veteran minutes eater, and Jacob Chikrin is that guy that can be right up there on Thomas Shabbat's level. So that's one thing. The other thing is, not just this year, but for the next two years, you have a cost-controlled top four defenseman. Yeah. So I don't really care if Ottawa makes the playoffs this year. Next year and the year after that, moving that's forward, fair. is the big thing. The other thing is... You go into that dressing room and say, sorry, not much I can do this trade deadline. How do you think they're going to react? After the way they played against those two games against Detroit, where they're clearly the better team, they're finding ways to win games, they're maturing and evolving as a group, that a group that fights alongside each other, fights for each other, and you're telling me, Sorry, not much I can do. We're going to have to wait on that top 40. Sorry, boys. I think Pierre Dorian, in a way, owed it to the players to get something done if he found the right deal. And fortunately, the price fell just enough for him to swoop in and take that offer. And yep. he did. And I applaud him for that. Also, Jacob Chikrin's granddad lives in Ottawa. And he was, quote, ecstatic to hear that he was traded to Ottawa. He had an emotional conversation with his family. He's ecstatic to see his granddad in the stands during practice, during games. Just from a personal standpoint, I think it's going to be an excellent fit for Jacob Chikrin yep. and the Ottawa Senators. And all of these guys just want to be in the fight for a playoff race. They want to be a part of something. Even Alex Debrinkit, who they just brought in Thanks as this, you know, consistent 40-goal scorer, 
Alex Dabrinkit wasn't even in the middle of a playoff race because the only playoff action he got in was after months of nothing because COVID shut everything down. At that point, Chicago was just playing out their season thinking they were probably out of it. And then they found out, oh, you've just got snuck in into the playoffs and in the bubble. Congrats, TA. And then they they upset some Oilers fans and then lost to Vegas in five games. But that's the side point. Brady Kachuk, Thomas Chabot, Tim Stutzla, all the young guys on that Ottawa Senators team you can think of haven't played playoff hockey yet. Mm. Haven't even been in the chance to compete for anything playoff related. They have that chance now. And you can't buy that money with cap space. So you go out, you get Jacob Chikrin, you add to whatever momentum this club is building. Let's go. Huge trade for the Sens. And I hope it works out for them too, but it's a risk we're taking. Yeah, I guess that's fair. Like I, I like I guess I'm thinking of it like, oh, they're not making the playoffs this year, but you do have a bring good a point where it's like next year you're gonna have a healthy Josh Norris added to that mix. So it's like yeah. oh, okay. Like I, I I can now see what you're saying. It's like they may not make the playoffs this year, but that's okay. It's like next year and the year after that. Is, it's a is trade that helps them beyond this yeah. year, and that's the kind of trade that Dorian said he yeah. was willing to do. Yeah. Not a short-term deal, but one that made sense. That's totally fair. And, he, and you know what? In any other year, he could have traded Cam Talbot for like a second-round pick, or he could have traded Austin Watson for a fourth. Yeah. He could have traded Derek Broussard. He didn't do any of that. Any of the expiring contracts, he kept on board, and he's rolling with this group and just seeing what they have. Yeah. And he'll evaluate further once the season is over what happens with the roster. Yep. But he's willing to stick it out that's with fair. this group, and that speaks volumes to me as a fan. Yeah, that's fair. I get, and like, I do like Tim Stutzla. By the way, he's having like an amazing season. So it's just, yeah, good foresight extending him before the year, uh, eh? Exactly. And it's like, you, you look at like Frenier and Byfield, it's like, yeah, they're, they're scoring now, but it's like Stutzla might have. Could have been the first overall pick in a in a redraft if we're yeah. doing in hindsight. So yeah, like, five years down the road, it would be yeah, an interesting conversation nice, to have. It's a nice pick. So, um, so yeah, it's it's uh like it's a good. I'm happy for you, Steve. I'll I'll leave it at that. But uh, but I, I guess I'm just thinking of it as like they're not competing this year. Why do they do this? But I guess like we did already talk about this. Like Jacob Chikrin is on a like probably the best contract in in the league. Um, now that Pasternak and McKinnon are paid, um, so so yeah, this is a, this is a nice deal for for you. Yeah. In your I, I'm just glad they're they're in the thick of yeah. it and they're ready to make some noise. They have something to play for. Oh, yeah. And I said at the start of the year, if they were playing meaningful hockey into the final two yep. weeks of the regular season, I call that a victory. And, and at this rate, if they continue to play like they are right now, they just might be a Playing meaningful hockey for the final two weeks. Yeah, and the good news is, is that you didn't even have to trade uh, Jake Sanderson. <laughs> like you didn't. Yeah, yeah. No, no yeah. Pinto, no Greg, no, no Sanderson, no Pinto or Greg. Yeah, you know, or Sogard. Yeah, none of them. When I uh, so when I got your email that Chikrin is a senator, I was actually running on the treadmill at the time, so I was just thinking like, okay, I wonder what the return is. Like, I'm gonna like you know eventually find out. Um, so I was just thinking like, oh, Jacob, Jake Sanderson's probably involved or Brandstrom's probably involved or something like that. And then when I got off after my run, I was just like, wait, it was just a couple picks. Wow. Okay. And then I started to think like, okay, the 2023 first round picks, like, okay, like 
it's a little interesting, and then I find out that that's top five protected, because I was like, oh, the Senators learn from, from their mistake, past mistakes, so... Um, yeah, they 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 yeah. held they held uh, they stood their ground, yeah. and you know what the the stock market crashed. Yeah. The prices started to drop. It's evident in the Jake McCabe yeah. trade with Toronto. True. As I said, like you would think the return would be higher than that, yeah. but no. Yeah, and um, and I was also like, Jacob Chikrin, it, I it's hard to like compare defensemen to centers. But uh, Chikrin is better than Duchesne was when they made that trade initially. So it's like, you know, even if, like, this does go poorly, it's like, or, you know, where the, the Senators are a top, like, a lottery team and they're the 10 worst teams, or one of the 10 worst teams in the league at the end of it, it's just like, Chikrin's a nice pick for you guys that's so like... Um, it's not as bad as the Matt Duchesne trade. Um, yeah, right. and and like those picks, yeah. like they might be good, but they won't be useful to the Sens' yeah. uh, current core until like three to four years down the road. Unless it's Connor on Bedard, average. but yes, <laughs> unless, so. it's Connor, unless it's Connor Bedard. But yes, you're right. Yeah, um, unless it's Connor Bedard, you're they're, waiting they're a couple of years yeah. before they yeah. make a big impact. Yeah, exactly. Um, Jacob Tricker makes a big impact now. Yeah, yeah, fair. Um, so now, uh, we go to the Devils, um, and so while we were recording last week, um, by the way, we're like an hour and 30 minutes in, I think, <laughs> so we're, we're, uh, we're well, just I, I, I said finished. it might be at least two hours, well, yeah, we just finished we're definitely the going over that. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so, like I said, it was busy trade deadline. Busy yeah, yeah. Deal. And to be fair, we covered five teams in the Atlantic. Uh, yeah, so and uh, like a lot we're talking about there, too. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, the Devils made this trade. Uh, we uh, we actually, speaking of that, we recorded an p- entire podcast waiting for the return for Timo Meyer, um, and it was taking us forever, and we never actually got to what the trade was. Um, and it turns we were out, waiting a few hours yeah. after we stopped recording. That's, that's for true it. too. Yeah. In fact, in fact, there was like another trade that happened in in between, as well. So that was um, that was kind of funny. Uh, but, anyways, the full details. So the Devils get Timo Meyer. They also get Z- Scott Harrington, Zachary Emond, Santeri ha- Hataka, Timor Ibrigovic, Ibrig. Emor Ibrahimov is how I'm pronouncing. Thank you. I um, I'm just gonna stop trying. Um, and at 2024. By the way, Scott Harrington was claimed off waivers by the Ducks, so he is no longer a part oh, of this trade tree. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, the Sharks get Andreas Janssen, Fabian Zetterlund, uh, Nikita Ota. Oh, uh, I know that because he's a former Ottawa 67. Shakir. Mukamadulin. Um, I yeah, apologize. Names, man. <laughs> Shakir Mukamadulin. Yeah, I apologize to any player involved in this trade that I butchered. Apologize to all the players' relatives who probably, yeah, exactly. on the off chance they hear this, we are very sorry. Uh, yeah, exactly. We're not intending to butcher my, these names in from any the, way. From the bottom of my heart. Um, yeah. They also the Sharks also get a 2023 first round pick, which is conditional, which I'll get into in a second. They also get a 2024 second round pick, um, which is also conditional, and a 2024 seventh round pick. Uh, so the conditions here: 
So that 23 first round pick is top two protected, <laughs> funnily enough. Yep. Apparently, the Devils think they're going to be so bad, <laughs> like this is on the off chance. Well, they saw what happened to the Sharks when they traded for Carlson, too. <laughs> so the fact just, that they made this top two. Like, but, yeah, let's not do that. The fact that the Devils, well, first off, the Devils are pretty much in the playoffs. Like, I know, like, it's the Devils we're talking about, but, like, they're, they're, they're in the playoffs. The fact that they oh, made this oh, for this year, yeah. Pick. No, for next year's pick, I would argue. But no. no, no, but th- th- it's uh, top two protected for this year. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Now it is kind of ridiculous. Um, and then the 2024 second round pick will turn into a 2024 first round pick if Meyer plays in 50% of the games and they make the Eastern Conference Finals this year. Um so San Jose is cheering for Jersey to go far, basically. Or if the Devils make the 2024 Eastern Conference Finals. So it's like if they make the Eastern Conference Final this year or next year, it turns into a first instead of a second. So that's not bad. Um, and yep. then, um, yeah, uh, and then they say here, should New Jersey transfer their 2023 first to a, their 2024 first as it is top two protected and they make the twenty the conference finals in twenty twenty four. San San Jose will receive their twenty twenty five first round pick. Yeah, that, um, as you said, top two protected, so that's yeah. probably not happening. And, and but if the twenty twenty four first is not top ten, the Devils have the option to I think, instead trade their first. I think it's even more ridiculous to the fact that like New Jersey will not like like even if they don't make the playoffs. Like, there, there's, like, even, like, as you're saying, like, they don't even have a shot at making, like, they're going to barely miss the playoffs if they don't make the playoffs. So it's, like, <laughs> the chances of them They're definitely getting... not bad enough to tame for Bedard. Exactly. So they just... could lose every game, not dress anybody, and they still wouldn't get the lottery. Especially since they got Timo Meyer on their team. <laughs> so it's just like... <laughs> um, Anyways... Uh... On, on this trade, it's, you know, it's it's interesting because I guess this is, like, in perspective of, we'll talk because we don't, we don't even have the Sharks on this list yet, so I'll just cover them really quickly. It's like, yeah, you're, you, like, it's probably, like, they didn't trade away Luke Hughes, they didn't trade away Simon Nemich, uh, Dawson Mercer wasn't involved in the trade, like, uh, the Devils... Like still, Luke kept, Hughes wasn't involved either, and he's going to turn pro once the playoffs start. I mentioned Luke Hughes. Um, but, oh, okay. There was there Dawson Mercer, Luke Hughes, Simon Nemitz, Alex Holtz. Holtz. Sorry, Alex Holtz. Oh yeah, Alex Holtz is another guy. Yeah, he wasn't included either. Yeah, yeah, fair. Um, so it's like, yeah, they didn't get those guys. I think the the Sharks owners are one of the higher ups. And the Sharks have said that they never rebuild. Um, so there's there's that to to like consider in these trades. It's like yeah, you're probably expecting a whole lot out of Timo Meyer because like he was the most sought after trade bait guy, other than arguably Jacob Chikrin. So it's like okay, like yeah, it's probably not as good as you're expecting, but still, like a first, like you're basically getting two first round picks. Or, you know, you're getting two, like, a first-round pick this year. And there's a decent shot that the Devils make the Eastern Conference Finals next year um, or this year. So, 
like, because they're a good team. So it's like, okay, and Andreas Janssen, maybe you can trade away in a future uh, um, time. Fabian Zetterlin's not a bad player either. So it's like, yeah, it's it's not like, and Shakir Mukamadulin, uh, he was a first-round pick um, a couple of years ago. Um, yeah, he's not Luke Hughes. Yeah, he's not Simon Nemec. But he's, you know, he, he might not be bad. Um, so it's like, you know, it's it's like, it's probably underwhelming if you're a Sharks fan. But it's like, it could be end up being pretty good, like, uh, in a couple of years, depending on what these picks are going to end up being. So... Um, ultimately, I can understand the disappointment, but I, I get it. Um, as for the Devils, I mean, we talked about this last week um, when there when we like had seen that Timo the Devils were getting Timo Meyer. Um, yeah, <laughs> it was funny because we mentioned like Swiss players like Fabian Zetterlin. Um, he was involved in this trade, so he he the 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 Swiss like the Swiss army that the Devils have is. I mean, still, there's Nico Hischer on the team, and there's Jonas Siegenthaler, um, and the Swiss Schmitt. Army Knives should be their nickname. Yeah, right? I like that. Um, also, I see here that uh, the Devils are playing tonight. Timo Meyer did get a goal in the in his first game for the Devils, so that's nice. Of course he did. Um, but um, but yeah, this is uh, you know I like I like this trade, um, and yeah, I think I think Timo Meyer is going to help them a lot. Um, but what's interesting is I'm noticing here that Timo Meyer and Nico Isher aren't on the same line. I mean, Meyer, Hughes, and Bratt—that's a pretty good line too. Uh, but I, I, I thought they would they would kind of pair the countrymen together. Uh, but and maybe that will change eventually. But um, but I do like I do like this trade for them. And Timo Meyer's 26 years old, so. Um, so yeah, that that's uh, and he's an RFA, so they're they're probably going to sign him. I think that's why the the trade value was so low, though, was because yeah the Devils um like there wasn't an extension involved, um but like at the same time, Timo Meyer's an RFA, so like a team would have to offer sheet him to pry him away from the Devils. Um, so yeah. they have a pretty good shot of signing him, even though they don't sign him right now. Um, so, so that's that's pretty good. Um, and even still, like you could probably get a lot uh, just before the draft um, if if you do want to trade Timo Meyer and it's not working out for you. So, so there's something that they 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 could do if it's like oh, there's like bad blood all of a sudden. It's like okay, let, let's just trade Timo Meyer somewhere else. But uh, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I also feel like this this reminds me a lot like the Eric Carlson to San Jose trade, where at first glance, it, like, it felt like yep. it was a bad trade for... It felt like the, uh, the value was nowhere near good enough. Yep. Exactly. And then, and then like, oh, this was really good for um, Ottawa in the long run. Um, and also given the fact that, like, the Sharks have, like, publicly mentioned that they're not rebuilding... It's like okay, this is uh, not bad. Then, uh, if like considering that, it's like okay, like we should have known that the sharks just aren't gonna do this. <laughs> like they aren't gonna get prospects uh, like they should. Um, but so given that, it's like okay, they they got a lot of picks and um, and that's 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 good. So 
So I yeah, I, I, I think like at first glance this is probably disappointing, but at the same time this is a this is a nice nice pick or there are some things that you can kind of glean on. Yeah, like if you want to talk about yeah. bargains, they got Lazar yeah. for a fourth. So also not to mention also not to mention the fact that like next year uh like there's a potential Jack Hughes has injury history, Nico Heischer has injury history, Dougie Hamilton has injury history. Uh there's and like, you know, Vitek Vanacek might not be like he might just be a one year wonder type player. So it's Yeah, they're not sure what your goaltending is uh, because, you know, there's Blackwood who is a shell of his former self right now. So there's some potential that the Devils might not be good next year. Um, Like, I I don't think it's going to happen, but, like, you know, we were saying the same thing about the Sharks when they got Eric Carlson. So it's it's very possible still. They also have to re-sign Jesper Bratt, and dude is on fire for a second straight year. So he's probably going to cost a lot too. True, true. So... Yeah, what, what are your thoughts? So my thoughts on the initial return that they gave up, Andreas Johnson, I think, is a player that sounds they could use, but they stashed him in the minors and have been for several months, so they weren't really using him. Fabian Zerland is pretty good, NHL serviceable player, but I would rather Dawson Mercer uh, in this situation. Yep. Nikita Hachuk has had injury history. I think he could be a decent defensive prospect, but I don't know what his NHL ceiling is like at the moment. Uh, Shakir McAdoolin could be the Josh Norris of this trade in the sense that, and I know he is a left defenseman, but he is that prospect that's just like, okay, this guy could be doing a lot of things at the NHL level someday. Currently, he has played 67 games and recorded 25 points in the KHL as a 21-year-old. They don't give youngsters that much reliable ice time Unless they really earn it. They don't just throw out rookies willy-nilly like Vitaly Krasov a couple of years ago and just say, hey, go nuts. Yeah. It's it's a man's league. And the youngsters, they don't really get a chance to flap their wings and fly. Yeah. But uh, Mukamadoulin has been getting a lot of ice time uh, in the KHL, and that can't be underestimated. Yeah. Uh, and so the prospect, he's the key prospect that could hit. And also what they do with the draft picks is where San Jose could salvage this trade. But, again, as we mentioned, San Jose Sharks didn't get Alexander Holtz. They didn't get Simon Nemich. They didn't get Dawson Mercer. They didn't get Luke Hughes. Win, 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 win for New Jersey. And on top of that, New Jersey is getting a guy that is currently sixth in the league in shots on goal, doing all of that on a bad team, is a near point-per-game player on a bad team, has 31 goals in 57 games on a bad team. He now has 32 goals because, like yep. Brett said, he scored tonight. And you know what? He could get a hat-trick by the time this podcast is done. Uh-huh. Who knows? And then Jack Hughes is fourth in the league in shots on goal. You look further down the list, and oh, another New Jersey devil named Dougie Hamilton. 212 shots on goal from the blue line. He's 19th in the league. Then you scroll down a little bit further. Oh, and Devils captain Nico Heischer is closing in on 200. He has 194, and he has 26 goals on the season. The amount of shot generation, the amount of offensive weapons that are on this team, and as I mentioned before, they also have Jesper Bratt and Dawson Mercer in the fold too. Igor Sharangovich could be a dark horse uh, offensive candidate for them too. Their bottom six is just solid. 
you think Timo Meyer is good now? You put him in front of all those offensive weapons, he could be reaching next level yeah. Timo Meyer. So, yeah, win on all fronts for New Jersey, and this offseason, watch, you will. Whatever the price tag is, they will keep Timo Meyer long term. Yep, yep. Um, so, uh, let's get going now. Um, Patrick Kane, we, we also talked about that he was probably going to the Rangers. Um, and uh, he was. <laughs> they they waited till Wednesday to do it, um, and uh, it was the only team that he was willing to go for, which is why the Blackhawks didn't end up getting a whole lot. And it's a it's kind of like a Timo Meyer in the same way. It's like, oh, you're you, it's like kind of an underwhelming for someone like Patrick Kane, but you know at the same time it's like it's not terrible and the fact that the Rangers already made their big move before with uh, Tarasenko yeah. so they didn't even have a first round pick but you know it's it's um, so like there's not so much that the Blackhawks could do their hands were kind of tied because Patrick Kane just wanted to go to the Rangers and the Blackhawks were like okay well it's better than not trading him for nothing um, let's uh, let's just make something and out of nothing basically um, so uh, Patrick Kane uh, goes to uh, the Rangers. Um, we'll get into the third team that's involved in a second. Uh, but the Blackhawks get Andy Walensky, a 23 second round pick, which is conditional, and a 2025 fourth round pick. That 23 second round pick turns into a 24 first round pick, top 10 protected, um, or 2025 first if the Rangers make the Eastern Conference Finals, which is possible. Um, and then uh, the third team that's involved because um, a team needed to retain some of this salary from Patrick Kane in order for the cap to work. Um, and uh, that team is the Arizona Coyotes because of course they do. Uh, the Coyotes get a 2025 third round pick from the Rangers, which is a conditional pick um that condition is arizona will receive a better of either new the rangers or dallas's third round picks um if dallas's third round pick is currently conditional because uh, of that neil's lundquist trade that they made a couple of months ago um the blackhawks also get vil sar harvey from arizona um again sorry billy if you're listening i butchered your name probably um, and so in order to make that trade work, um, and also the Rangers get Cooper, Zek, because I guess you, in a three-way trade, you need three different player, uh, you need three different lineups to work that way, or, you know, trades from the other two teams, basically, so, so that was, that's really why that's the case. For the Rangers' next trick, uh, they'll turn him into a 20-goal score in a line with Panarin. Yeah, basically. <laughs> um... But, like, you know, it's interesting because the Rangers traded away Kraftsoff. They're keeping Lafreniere and Kako and Heedle on the third line. I know it's, like, it's because their top six is so good that that's why they're doing it that way. And Lafreniere has been good recently. But it's, like, it is kind of interesting because I don't know if they're really developing their players that well. Um, speaking of which, it looks like Keandre Miller was suspended for spitting. He did later apologize, um, but it just, you know, I, I think it was just like a precedent 
like you know it's like if you if you go and suspend him because he was truly really sorry it's like then you're, you're, then it's like what's the point of suspending players so um so i get from that point and also just from minor trades from the rangers perspective they get anton Blee and why kalunik from both the canucks and the uh, avalanche um and um yeah those those could be interesting too um yeah, I, I like uh, so the Patrick Kane has played my team and your team for the Rangers. Uh, he hasn't scored yet. Still, you know, it's still only two games. A lot can happen. Um, you know, he's still Patrick Kane. Like I'm not worried about him just yet. I know it's only two games, um, but he's still very good. Um, I'm like I know the Bruins played them and they beat them uh, on Saturday. But um, but I don't want to play this team in the playoffs. Um, so as Patrick Kane is on that team. You know, a fun fact here, and it's probably only a fun fact for people who hate the Bruins, but uh, the Rangers have Tarasenko and Patrick Kane. Um, that's not the only thing that's in common with them. Um, they also both beat the Bruins in the Stanley Cup Final. They're also both... <laughs> pals with Artemi Panarin um and so um so yeah that that's a bigger reason why I'm scared of the Rangers now is that like oh they added Patrick Kane and Tarasenko both guys who uh were really good <laughs> in the Stanley Cup finals that beat the Bruins um so uh so there's that but um yeah it's uh like the, the I think I think this this deal um is gonna work out for the Rangers in the long run and in these playoffs. Um, they're, they're they're gonna be pretty good, especially now that Shostakin is kind of back from his his slump that he had early on in the season. So those heavyweights that we were talking about in the Eastern Conference: Boston, Carolina, New Jersey, Toronto, Tampa Bay, and the Rangers. Yep. In terms of league overall points, they're in the top nine. Two of those teams are out in the first round, if you can believe it. Yeah, that's crazy. Like, <laughs> you have six heavyweights. Yep. All of them you can make an argument to uh, win it all. And yep. two of them are going to be out in the first round. And Carolina, who, outside of a few depth moves, getting Shane Gostasper and Jesse Pugliarvi, they they didn't really make a big splash. Yep. And they're still there. They're, they're second overall in the league behind Boston. Yeah. So they're they're not a team to mess with either. But yeah, like you said, the Rangers are a buzzsaw. You don't want to test out. Yeah. <laughs> you, right. you want to avoid them as much as humanly possible. Yeah. And the fa- and and the thing is, Igor Shashurkin hasn't been himself for the past couple of weeks. Yeah. The last thing anyone in the East is ho- is hoping for is he gets hot. And now the Rangers wide a tidal wave of momentum into the playoffs with that roster. Uh, also, as a Vincent Trocek fantasy owner, the fact that he is sandwiched between Kane and Panarin, money. Yep. He's going to pile up the points big time, too. So, uh, yeah, once they get the line combination sorted out, everyone gets acquainted. I'm not worried the Rangers are going to be a force. And at the very least, uh, Rangers-Devils in the first round, if that happens, 
Man, what a freaking treat that's going to be. It's a shame that we're probably going to get in the first round and yeah. not the second or the conference finals. I mean, it's the equivalent, like, we're getting Toronto-Tampa in the first round. So. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty epic. Yeah, yeah, don't get me wrong. But I feel like those are the matchups you want in the conference yeah. finals. Yeah, that's fair. That's but fair. still, you'll you'll get those matchups either way. It should be fun, entertaining hockey. Yeah, yeah. No quarter I mean, given, I, no quarter taken off. I think that, like, that's the interesting thing. Like, I, I would prefer a 1v8 system like back in the old days system again but at the same time it's it is kind of cool that you have these matchups in the first round like still it's like oh okay it's like it's like having two 4v5 matchups back in the day <laughs> it's like yeah yes exactly so it's 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 kind of cool um and it, it kind of like brings about like more division rivalries which was the whole purpose of it uh, speaking of which, also, uh, also, I, I, I didn't want to get off topic, um, but oh, uh, the Carolina to. Hurricanes have twelve regulation losses. That's the second fewest regulation losses in the league, oh, wow. including regulation overtime and shootout losses. The Bruins have thirteen total. That's crazy. So yeah, so that's how good the Bruins have been. Like they are that far yeah. ahead of Carolina. Yeah. they're thirteen points ahead. Yeah, it's insane. Um, all right, let, we'll, we'll talk about Carolina in a, in a few minutes. Um, I do want to bring up Pittsburgh, though, before that, because they get Mikhail Granlund uh, from Nashville. Nashville gets a 23-second-round pick. Um, I figured th- I, I wanted to mention this because uh, we are talking about Nashville indirectly in a couple of these teams, um, so I, I do want to mention that. The Penguins also get Nick Bonino back. Um, famously, he was uh, a part of that cup-winning uh, team um, in 2017 with Phil Kessel and Carl Haglin. Um, I guess those guys aren't on the team anymore, of course, but uh, but yeah, Nick Benino's back. Um, and then um, there's that. They also the Penguins also get Dmitry Kulikov. Um, but yeah, I thought I thought I mean this was a nice pick for Nashville to get back. Yeah, they they get a haul out of Tanner Janot. Uh, they also trade. They also get like Tyson Berry um, in the Matthias Ekholm trade, so that's a nice pick. But yeah, this is also nice for Nashville. Um, but yeah, and, and Mikel Granlin is a decent player. I feel like he, like I know he hasn't played for the Penguins yet, but like he does feel like a Penguins type player for them. So it's like he plays very similarly to Ricard Raquel. I feel like, um, but yeah, no, this was a nice pick. Um, I, there were reports that they were going to the Penguins were going to get Brock Besser. There's also reports that like Mike Sullivan wanted Jacob Chikrin, but Hextall wasn't as sold. There's like which is a little bit odd that it was so public that like oh the coach wants the player but the GM doesn't. So I am kind of curious to see how that unfolds because maybe there's like that's like a sign for things to come, but. Um, but yeah, it could be an off-season thing yeah. as well, because like there are a lot of Canucks that didn't move. Yeah. They could be on the move once the summer hits. I, and another name that got tossed around, which is funny because I think it could age horribly for them, is JT Miller. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about the Canucks in a few minutes, um, in a probably in a few hours at this point. At yeah, this rate, but. no, but I, I was just adding to yeah. uh, Jr's old team versus Jr's oh, new yeah. team, okay. linking up and talking potential trades. We were yeah, talking yeah. about Brock Bester. JT yeah. Miller's name was also brought up in Twitter rumors, fair, but fair, I'm fair. not sure how serious those talks were. But yeah. yeah, yeah, no, that's fair. Um, 
I just don't know what the Penguins were doing, to be yeah. honest. Like, Mikhail Granlin for a second-round pick? Yeah. I would have rather... Uh, is it weird to say that I would rather Brock Besser? Because, yeah. like, Mikhail yeah. Granlin was all right last year, but everyone on Nashville had an insanely good year last year. Well, and Granlin's production has fallen off, and he's on the third line with Jeff Garner and Dan Einan. To be fair, you could say the same thing about Brock Besser. He hasn't been good either. But, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, most of that's a Vancouver problem, in, in my opinion. You but put I don't, on the line with... I, uh, I don't know. Like, I, I, I think there is something that you could do for Granlin. I don't hate this trade. I do understand what you're saying. Like, yeah, I probably would rather have Brock Besser. But at the same time, it's not like Brock Besser has been great either. Um, but I do get your point. But it's, it's still, like, I don't know. Oh, yeah. That, that was the other thing, too. Yeah, is there... At the start of the year, I, yeah. I will say quickly, at the start of the yeah. year, I thought the Penguins were going to defy Father Time. Yeah. And it might finally be catching up to them. I, I think this is the start of the end. We just don't know uh, again. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, like, Washington... What's interesting is, like, I always compare Pittsburgh and Washington together. Cause, yeah. Like, of course you do. Cause they got good at the same time, practically. Right, exactly. Yeah. And they both had generational talents at the same time, too. Yep. So, like, I don't know. I, I, I think, like, what's interesting is Washington decided to sell uh, once they realized Ovechkin was out, uh, like, even for a short stint. Um, and then I realized, like, oh, okay, we're, we're not going for it. Even, like, if, if Ovechkin's out, it's just like, okay, our team's not good. Um, whereas the Penguins were like, yeah. I mean, I still, like, if the, uh, if the Penguins make the playoffs, like, I'm never counting out a team that has Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin on their team. Like at this point, it's like I can't, I can't ever like not take them seriously. So, oh, it's not like their Pittsburgh doesn't have any redeeming qualities besides yeah. Crosby and, and Malkin oh, against and, and, and Latang. Like Rick they have really weapons. Team, yeah. I just think they're all aging at the same time, and uh, the aging is catching up to them. And yeah. the other difference with. You know, like the Washington defensemen, well, some of them getting moved out. Yeah. Is Pittsburgh doubled down? They extended Chris Letang. They extended yeah. Evgeny Malkin. They went out and got Jeff Petrie from the Habs, yeah. who's also in his 30s. Yeah. But what did. Sh- that's, that's where the difference is. But would it shock you if the Penguins make the Eastern Conference Finals? It wouldn't, but I honestly wouldn't expect it. Like, the. Yeah. the they had a three games to one lead against the Rangers with Louis Domingue and Net and couldn't hold on. Yeah, so, I guess that's fair. But yeah, I, don't know. I think if they make the playoffs, their first round exits from here on out, and it's the same with the Caps too. Yeah, well, the Caps aren't making the playoffs, but yeah, I guess I. Yeah, but in previous years when they did make it, they were first round. Yeah, exits. yeah, I guess I guess that's fair. I I just I don't know. I I feel like I can I can never count out the Penguins with Chris no. with Crosby, a healthy Crosby. Um, okay. Carolina here. Um, they get yep. Jesse Pugliarvi from Edmonton for Patrick Puistola, yep. who's apparently doing well in uh, the Swedish Hockey League, so there's that. Uh, they also get Shane Gossespair from Arizona um, for a 2026 third round pick. Um, that's, I mean, we'll talk about Arizona in a couple of minutes, but um, like you could have, like Arizona could have gotten a lot more out of Go, Go, Ghost Bear out of that. Um, I don't like, and I think uh, Ghost Bear had like a goal and an assist today. Um, so so yeah, he's he's fitting right in. Um, 
Yeah, I, I like this move. Um, or, like, I, I feel like Gospair keeps on getting, like, uh, wherever he goes, for some reason, like, teams underrate him or, like, just, like, have this, like, chip on his shoulder. But, like, he's proven time and time again that he's really good offensively. Yeah, maybe he has some defensive areas that aren't great, but... Um, but yeah, the fact like I'm seeing here that like Carolina's defensive core, I'm just staring at them. Jacob Slavin, Brent Burns, Brady Shea, Brett Pesci, Shane Gosespair, Jalen Chatfield. Like yeah, other than Chatfield, it's like those five defensemen. Like that's probably like a really good team for a defensive pairing. Um, that, that can stack up with any defensive pairing. It's like one of the best defensive pairings um, in the league. Um, and you add Shane Gostaspair here, it's like, okay, this is, you're, you're dealing with fire here. Um, and yeah, I really, I really like this, this move for them. Um, Jesse Pugliarvi, I also like, um, apparently there's like a visa issue with Pugliarvi that like, he has to like, I guess this sometimes happens when you trade players going into like from a Canadian team to an American team especially for someone who's European, um, that, like, they need some, like, it might take a while to get, like, his green card ready. Uh, but it was pretty clear that Pugliarvi needed, like, a, f a fresh start somewhere. And there couldn't be a better place than a place that has his line mate uh, when he was in Finland um, in Sebastian Ajo. They also have Tevo Taravainen, who's Finnish. Uh, Jesperi Kotkaniemi is Finnish. Anti Ranta is also finished. So, like, it's basically like the Devils are to Switzerland as Carolina is to Finland. Uh, they have a lot of Finnish players on that team. Um, and yeah, I, I'm just, I, I, I think the, this could be a good move for Pugliarvi, uh, a good team for Pugliarvi to, to play in, especially when you have, uh, like, there was, like, famously, Aho, Pugliarvi, and Laine were all on the same team. Um, and they were like legendary players back in the day when they were there. So, um, so yeah, this this could this could really work. It reminds me back when uh, Dylan Strom went to Chicago so he could be line mates with uh, Alex DeBrincat um, to revitalize his career. So it, it could have a similar effect. And I really like this move. Um, we'll talk about Edmonton, you know, a little bit, but uh, but yeah, Patrick Pula Puestasola is a nice grab for them as well he he could be a decent player once he's in the nhl in a few years so um i, I also like that move as well so just thinking about the carolina hurricanes getting goss to spare love that move that's yep. a good depth yep. addition didn't cost him much love that Pooley arby uh i mean similar to cocky cockney I think he's one of those four projects that I think could pay dividends, but I think it will require a bit of time and patience before um, that uh, happens. And maybe it happens a bit quicker because he has, like you said, previous chemistry with Sebastian Ajo. Um, but the reason why I'm looking at Carolina is because if you look at the turn of a lot of their star players, it's winding down. After next year, Sebastian Ajo is an unrestricted free agent. Uh, same with Tebu Teravainen, uh, same with Brady Shea, same with Brett Pesci. And then the year after that, uh, I guess it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if they lost Brent Burns, but Jacob Slavin is a UFA after 
2025, July 2025, he can hit the open market. And you also don't know what their goaltending is going to be like as Anderson and Ranta are uh, pending UFAs, although they did extend Kochikov. I guess their plan is he'll be on the team in some capacity, whether it's starter or backup. And they do have a lot of LTIR cap space coming off the books, Pacioretty, Gardner, Kashe. Um, once those three contracts are gone, they'll have more um, availability to do stuff in the offseason. And the thing with the Carolina Hurricanes is they aren't afraid of playing the long-range game. They're not afraid of letting things play themselves out, taking their time, yep. and they're a very patient group. Don Waddell knows what he's doing. He's handled some tough situations, uh, I would say, like a professional, like a pro, and he's not phased by those moments. The Dougie Hamilton situation, for example, went out and got Tony D'Angelo on a cheap one-year deal, got some good results out of him, traded him out of town, and then he trades for Brent Burns. So they're able to make the most of whatever situation uh, they have. Uh, but this is no doubt going to be his biggest test coming up as a Hurricanes general manager. So oh, I think... If you were expecting Carolina to do a lot of things at the trade deadline, uh, building up for this arms race that's about to happen, I don't think they were probably content using most of their bullets for this playoff run, and maybe they were saving them for a future trade deadline or for this upcoming offseason. So I'm interested to see what they do. But obviously, it's a boost of confidence to say to the guys, hey, we're bringing in a couple of guys, but we love what this roster is doing. We're going to stick with you guys and it's it's up to you. It's up to the players, the coaching staff. We trust you. Go out and do your thing. Yeah. Um, and I think sometimes not doing much of anything is the biggest vote of confidence uh, out of them all. So yeah, um, yeah. I'm I'm interested to see yeah how this affects uh, Carolina because you know the Devils and Rangers all did things. All the heavyweights in the Atlantic, uh, especially Toronto and Boston, did a lot of things to. Bo- bolster their roster for the playoff run outside of two moves hurricanes didn't do too much and um you know hopefully it doesn't bite them in the butt yeah but i i do like these two moves though i feel like they they could yeah, help them out they're good. so I, they're I, not mind-blowing but they're good yeah i guess i don't know maybe i'm just higher on ghost despair than you are but i i do like that move and, as well so and and to be Arby fair, as we've mentioned good. many, many times before, it's not like the team that wins the Stanley Cup is the team that wins the deadline. True. Sometimes the team that wins the Cup, they just tinker with the roster here and there, and that's yeah. enough. Yeah, but, like, exactly. It's, like, they're pretty similar to the Bruins, where it's, like, they're mostly just adding depth pieces anyways because they're pretty good. <laughs> like, even if they did, made no moves, they would probably be pretty good as is, yeah. or, like, a lot of teams are just competing with them to keep up with them. Uh, versus vice or as as opposed to vice versa, um, but um, but yeah, I, I don't I don't hate these moves at the same time. Especially, you just traded away like a third round pick for Ghost Despair. He, Ghost Despair is worth more than that, so I I like that move as well. Um, yeah, and and also yeah. like you look at the season that Marty Natchez has had. Yeah. Uh, you know, him and Seth Jarvis down the road are going to be a big part, a long-term yep. parts to this core, too. And Natchez has been a point-of-game player for them this year. Yeah, yeah. And that's probably why they didn't feel they had to make any moves, because of his evolution, because of the steps that he's taken this year. And mm. uh, it's paid off. Whatever he's done, it's worked wonders. Yep. 